Hello and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Welcome back to another episode of CCGM. It's good to hear you, or perhaps it's good for you to be hearing us. It is another episode where we're continuing our trek through Season 6, which basically we're taking everything we've been talking about for the last oh, 150 plus episodes and actually using them to show you how we would build a world, a campaign, and GM in a brand new setting. Are you excited? I know I am. Sadly, <laughs> sadly, Jules is so excited she could not be here with us this evening, and we wish her the best and well. And instead, you're just going to have the two of us yahoos kind of uh, going back and forth on what we do have. And what is it yeah. we are talking about tonight, Zen? Well, we are going to tackle some factions of the Eden ship. Now, if you... So, in... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if you haven't really dealt with factions or what that's referring to, this is a way to establish organizations or uh, groups of people or power structures that have shared interests, goals, and methods. This is a way to shorthand kind of the political and, and sociological conflicts that are occurring in a game or a setting and, and lets you have an easy way to kind of hook into certain uh, themes as each one can sometimes embody different components. I was actually just going to say they can be totally used to like drive themes and, and directions of story, <laughs> which is, yeah, they are, they're, they're great. They're, they're kind of almost drag and drop. Because if you want to do certain things, it's easy to just make that faction a an element of whatever you're getting ready to run. If you want to make more of a certain, you know, whatever that whatever your theme that you want to have more of is, that's it's easy to find the the faction or factions that those apply to, and then just kind of add them in and make them more prevalent in the games that you run they can also act as patrons for groups of pcs so you can ensure that uh, the kind of tone of game you're trying to play is shaped by uh, that patronage and what they may ask of the pcs if the pcs ever decide that you know they're running off on their own a little too much and, and you want to bring them back closer to home yep yeah <laughs> i was just thinking that too no no this is not yeah, this, there's there's tons this is not a podcast all about reining in player agency. Really, we promise. Look over here behind no. the curtain. No, but it's it's more than that because enabling agency is all important, but you also have to have those elements in the background. The GM has to have agency the world as well. Feel alive. Exactly. Yeah. And these 
factions, we've got a, a I've got three because I was, you know, being an overachiever, and I wanted to go ahead and give these to you because, if you recall, I am going to be taking a couple of months of recording off for Muggle World juggling and dealing with things there that just kind of preclude doing everything all at once. I have not yet cloned myself. Not yet. The wizards won't actually use the spell on me for some reason. Uh, So... I went ahead and put three in here. I'm going to try to contribute uh, remotely with the ideas going forward, but you've got a couple episodes without uh, my dulcet tones. <laughs> and when this is going to be live, you will have already uh, seen the multiple factions and NPCs and locales and things that are going to be coming through the entire month of August. Because this is recorded in the past. <laughs> and Dog Days of Podcasting is getting ready to kick off. And I am going to be doing something every single day for the setting. Now, these will be shorter episodes from Zen that you will get in the feed. But like Dog Days in the past, he's going to put them in the main Seize the GM feed. So you, our loyal listeners, are going to have a little bit of an ear candy treat every day. And with that, since I've got three, I will go ahead and start off with one of the factions that I came up with, and that is the Gaians. The problem with having a supercomputer around is that eventually organics want to assume it knows all the answers. The Gaians have fallen into the belief that Gaia, go back and listen to the previous episode if you don't know what I'm talking about, will be the solution to all the problems faced on the Ark. Simply put, they worship at the input port of their computational overlord. To this end, Agaians can be a great help to the rest of the Eden ship because they will prioritize finding ways to fix, protect, or ensure Gaia maintains operational capacity. Conversely, they'll also probably be underfoot as they attempt to commune with their god, impair other factions in the name of preserving Gaia's access to the data, and protect occasionally violently, the mechanics of the Eden ship they associate most most closely with Gaia. They're led by High Tesh Fadir Setang with a a certain renewed vigor. Uh, The previous Tesh kind of encouraged a more passive and merely omnipresent uh, kind of existence for the Gaians. Tesh Fadir, however, has taken a more evangelical approach in spreading the practice of Gaia worship though uh, this has not come without some level of ecclesiastical dissent within the ranks. Oh, nice. I like it. We needed something that was religion-y, and I liked the idea that the supercomputer and AI might just happen to be the inadvertent target of worship. Yeah, that would be a really good one, honestly. And so if you're listening along, find us on social media, especially our Discord, and tell us how you would have the relationship between Gaia and the Gaians go, because I'm curious as to what our listeners' take would be. Ooh, yeah. Gaia doesn't necessarily have to acknowledge them. Now. Or, yeah. Yeah, oh god, there's all kinds of crazy things you could do with this. Exactly, and (laughs) having a shift in their outlook, having gone from a more uh, kind of passive 
passive approach to a more evangelical and outwardly proselytizing approach uh, gives rise to, like I said, an ecclesiastical dissent and, and creates the potential for a conflict within that faction. So you could actually all have players and members of that faction with different opposing views on whether they yeah. should just, you know, protect and preserve the circuit boards of Gaia or whether they should in fact be going out and bringing in new converts. Nice. Yeah. Actually, what I am going to do right now, I actually just did it. There is a brand new um, channel on our Discord for all of the Eden ship setting stuff that we're going to start working on. So this will be a great place for people to go and talk with us about it. So just for the record. Okay. So now we've got Gaians. So now we're up to two factions within the group. Oh, are uh, in the ship so far. Yes, if you listen to the previous episode, you know that there is at least one other faction that was mentioned and begun to be fleshed out in that episode. But Zen, would you like to take the next one this episode, or uh, do you want to sure. see what else I've got up my sleeve? I, you know what? I've got a I've got one that uh, I've been I've been toying around with here, and that is the civil or civilian civil defense force. Or the CCDF, or CDEF for short. It's kind of a ragtag group of people that have started to protect the civilian sector of the ship from the other sections coming in and running roughshod and stealing everything that's not been bolted down. They're, they're not really a large faction, but they do try to keep the other groups out. It doesn't work very well all the time because, again, size. They do tend to keep them, though, from just coming in and, like I said, just running roughshod and, and pillaging, especially larger groups because they can target them easier. But it's kind of led by a, um, a guy named Savaron. He's the head, and he used to be a regulations officer in his younger days. Now he takes time to kind of recruit and train new members of the CDEF. He does have a hard time since many in this section of the ship have started to just turn to gangs to protect their own. But he has made some headway, though. Cool. Yeah. I like that. Since, since we kind of threw the civilian section to the, to the wolves, I figured that there would be some people that would be trying to organize them and and keep them from just being decimated. It wasn't thrown to the wolves. It was I mean, just civilian welfare, just, you know, the, the civil society components, the theaters, the shops. Not much, really. Right, right. Shops. Or walls or anything else. Just wait. Wait until... You'll see why this is necessary. Because I've got several other groups that will... that make use of the civilian sector <laughs> well okay keeping in line with that yeah it, it's hard to keep a long-term perspective when you're mired in day-to-day -day operations of something the prophylaxis phylum recognizes that and works in secret to ensure ensure 
that the command section keeps the best interests of all aboard Eden moving in the right direction. Simply put, the prophylaxis phylum sees themselves as a secret line of defense against a corruption of the original mission and the last best hope for Eden to ensure the continuity of the human species. Chosen from among promising but disruptive youth to be indoctrinated into the secret orders of protection, the members are incredibly loyal to each other and to their cause. That cause often seems to be maintaining the power system from which they benefit, but that power system does allow them to keep food being produced in volumes, enough to feed everyone aboard, replacing the failing oxygen scrubbers when they're growing old, and even uh, put a stalking horse candidate for leadership up to prevent a radical xenoseparatist from taking control. Eggs, omelets, a sad truth, but greater good and all that. The right honorable Constance Kazuya quietly leads the phylum, when not acting as an adjudicator minimus in the command section. Adjudicator Kazuya comes from a long line of well-respected movers and shakers on Eden, but nobody has noticed the small shield-like sigil of the phylum on her garments, even when she's opposing sending exploratory teams with valuable resources away from the ship. Nice. Nice. I like that little... They've got a little uh, sigil. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've... That marks them. You've got to have the little, you know, sigil. You've got to have the little lapel pin or something to, to you know, signify <laughs> your, your membership to other members. I mean, that's required okay. in, in good society. <laughs> yeah. Good society. I like that. So, what do we have I mean, next? I have one more, and we have been recording for a few minutes, and, and this one may end up being a shorter episode than usual because we're kind of saving some stuff for the fun of dog days. And that, from me, is the Rump Shakers. The cover of a raucous social club is the perfect camouflage for this out-in-the-open political movement. A rising tide of discontent has given a voice in the back rooms of Eden under the Rump Shaker's banner. While most see rump as a side-eyed reference to dancing with an energetic shaking of the posterior, the founder and inner circle of the Rump Shakers chose it for its other meaning. As the final remaining unbroken descendants of the launch crew, the Rump Shaker's inner circle saw the factionalizing of the inhabitants of Eden tearing apart any chance for completing the mission, finding a new homeworld safely. Survival was never enough, but thriving is what was required. Knowing that the social aspect of humans needed its own feeding, and also that hiding a political movement in plain sight under the haze of beer goggles isn't unknown, the Rump Shakers were born as an organization. Distributed in a cell-like structure, the Rump Shakers work to protect the everyday inhabitants of Eden, humans, and whatever else there may be, in all fairness, from the vacuum of space, the clinical coldness of Gaia, and the bureaucratic failings of the command section. Food drives, a new postmodern space version of St. Nicholas, even a low-key get-out-the-vote whisper campaign are all hallmarks of the Rump Shakers. Too bad they can't organize to be a stronger force on Eden, or maybe things would actually get better. back of the hall, in the back of the bar, 
tall, dark and handsome. If Ethelbert Boer had a sense of organization as developed as their sense of righteousness, then Eden would be a very different place. Ethelbert has never shied away from attention, but has also never sought it out. In the quiet places, they befriended the people who worked the longest and the hardest. And this drove the overeducated and underemployed Ethelbert to form the Rump Shakers, an organization that, while coming from an honest place, has slowly grown beyond their ability to steer. Nice. I like that. I really wanted you to use the name Ethelbert. That, I just like all of it. That is great. Thank you. That's, yeah. I love that there's this creepy, weird, underground, like, this is what we were really supposed to be doing here, guys. (laughs) Well, and that's, it's kind of a common form of political rebellion that you see growing up. It's a populist movement. It's growing out of bars and and those back rooms. You see that across Mm -hmm. history. You can see that in famous musicals like Hamilton and Les Mis, where major set pieces are in bars for a reason. You've got honest-to-gosh hope punk attempts to make things better. And an organization that got unwieldy from the person who started it so the left hand and the right hand may stop actually agreeing it's i like putting in a little bit of human complexity into factions i I like setting them up so it's not pure mustache twirling and and halo having situations and the rump shakers just struck me as kind of a natural outgrowth of what would happen in the kind of post-apocalyptic setting we've got you know, hiding behind shots of whiskey is a, an attempt to quietly undermine the local government. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. I like it. What hints might you have for our listeners about what may be coming up? Because we're going to end shorter than usual. We're going to come in we are. at... What may be a convenient podcast length, but one that we as talkers are not very good at keeping to. <laughs> it's true. Well, but I have tease I them. Have three. Yes, tease them. Tease us. Three. All. One is one is from the life science section, and let's just say that they are concerned about purity. And then I have one in the command section that is, let's just say they are, they're interested in not being on the ship as much anymore. And then the last one, which will, and honestly, I think that's going to be the first one that people hear about, is one from the storage faction. It's a storage faction. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I have been um doing some some idea hunting and I've got I, I really kinda like these guys. And just wait. There there's gonna be like I said, there's gonna be four people, four places, and four things for each one of these over the month. So that's a by the time lot. this episode drops, yeah. That's a lot of things. <laughs> Well, I mean, and I'm going to have to come back and revisit 
a couple of the kind of threads I dropped today in this episode. I mean, yeah. there are whole factions that I kind of referenced that don't have anything else about them right now. Yep. The Xenoseparatists. And, and there will be. At some point, yeah. yes, we have to meet Xenoseparatists. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. We And we may end up doing a few. It, now, this is just what we are going to pitch in the show. We are going to actually be working on doing an actual like PDF, compiling all of this and being written out in a way that is usable in a game system. We intend to create an entire, basically, supplement, a setting book for this work for season six and taking what we've got and, and making sure that it can be used. Because after all, yeah. we're not writing a novel. We're designing a game world and, and a setting. And so yeah. there will be additional factions. There will be additional work. What you hear on the show won't be uh, the sum total of what goes into that final document. But there will be a lot more. Oh, there, I'm sure of it. <laughs> there will have to be. But some of these single sentence ideas will become paragraphs. I also yeah. would like to uh, make an offer that the first person who can uh, tell me what my oblique geeky reference in the Gaians is to will get to uh, be the basis for the name of an upcoming NPC I write. Ooh. Because there is a nice. there, there 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 is an I'm trying not to say too much, but there's a reference in there to something in particular, and I want to see if anyone gets it. Okay. All right. So that's my challenge. And now you've heard what's coming up, what you're going to get more of from Seize the GM, even if you don't get it from me for a couple of episodes. Fear not. I have every intention of being back and uh, being a pain in, in Zen's side. But before we go, Zen... What kind of closing remarks and inspiration do you have for our adoring and numerous listeners? Well, before I do that, I would like to thank today's sponsor, which is Tabletop Land. Well, Tabletop.land, but you know. They are awesome for getting your one-off unique either scattered terrain or cool mini that they've got some of there. There's even people that I think that are painting them. I am also going to be putting books up there. I promise. I just have got to get my book collection down and start taking some pictures and posting stuff, but I am going to be putting them up there. Long story um, short, tabletop.land is a platform by geeks and for geeks to buy and sell their tabletop gaming and wargaming accessories. If you want someone whose passion for miniatures far surpasses your own to help provide you with minis that you can use, they're there for sale. If you want to find someone who is sitting there working on dice and hand-making dice, guess what? Tabletop.land. When you want to find other people who are as passionate as you are for terrain, for minis, for games, just for this wonderful hobby that we all love, tabletop.land is the platform of choice 
sell your own items, buy someone else's, find a way to make this world a little bit better for all of us geeks. Yep. So, with that out of the way... Ooh, that's a new listing. Now, we will... <laughs> we have to stop. We have to keep going. But, but, but they have miniature, okay. they, they've got miniature skulls to put out with your minis for uh-huh. a post-apocalyptic setting in scale. Uh-huh. I know. I know. See, this is why you have to go and check out their website. It's really cool, guys. It really is. Um, but we are going to go ahead and wrap up for this evening. And my closing remark is going to be, go watch Predator 2. It is so campy, but it's fun. And it actually shows how you can take an IP that seemed like a one-movie wonder and make it into a multi-million dollar movie franchise. (laughs) But it also laid some really cool ideas out there for an entire species of aliens that was not like anything that had been seen prior to that. So, go watch it. It's fun. On the completely opposite end of... Yeah, complete opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, (laughs) Thinking about gaming design, and, and I've been doing a lot of work in, in what spare time I have on some homebrew worlds and, and one-shots, the complete sonnets of William Shakespeare. 14-line iambic pentameter poems that break the rules of those poems ever so slightly with a hint of cheekiness in each and every one. These sonnets are a poetic inspiration for mood, for theme, for tone, for any English-speaking or reading game master or player. Sonnets are 14 lines meant to be read in a minute. It gives you the whole of an emotion from start to rising action to resolution in one minute in 14 lines with a little bit of a cheeky aside that is kind of second nature for most of us gamers. There's a link in the doodly-doo to a nice website where you can read all of them as they are for free, or you can pick up a dollar copy of the complete sonnets of William Shakespeare at your local bookstore. Definitely. All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. So, as the saying goes, roll some dice. Have fun. <laughs> have some fun, roll some dice, and we'll see we you. We will see you all next time on Seize the GM. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our times. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you 
our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.